KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Friday, May 6th. What the state is doing to protect abortion rights. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. San Diego County released its recommended budget yesterday. It's a $7.15 billion budget, and it includes major investments to provide mental health services and address homelessness, equity, racial justice, and climate change. The budget adds more than 1,000 staff members. It also aims to maintain its public safety, land use, and health and social services departments. The total recommended budget is 1.1% smaller than the budget the County Board of Supervisors approved last year. That's mainly because of one-time costs that were used to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic. The supervisors must approve a new budget by June 30th. San Diego County is seeing an increase in COVID-19 cases. In the past three days, the county has reported six deaths and nearly 2,000 cases. A total of more than 4,000 cases were reported last week. That's compared to nearly 3,000 the week before. With prom and graduation season coming up, the County Health and Human Services Agency is urging people to get up to date on their vaccines and boosters to avoid getting sick. We'll have more on COVID-19 cases and treatments later in the show. Voter information about San Diego County's June 7th gubernatorial primary election has officially been mailed out. If your voter registration information is up to date, officials say you should get your pamphlet by Monday. Ballots for the election are also expected to go out next week. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a blend of computer science, statistics, and domain expertise. Learn more about University of California San Diego's online Master of Data Science program at omds.ucsd.edu. In response to the leaked Supreme Court decision, California lawmakers have come out in force this week to advocate for abortion rights. State Senate President Tony Atkins from San Diego has been at the forefront. She spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh. Here's that interview. Now, at a press conference you held on Tuesday reacting to the leaked Supreme Court ruling, you said, we've been here before and we know where this leads. And I'm wondering, what did you mean by that? Well, Maureen, I, before I entered uh, elected office, I actually ran a clinic in San Diego and Los Angeles where we provided reproductive health services as well as abortion. And I uh, met a number of women who didn't have access uh, always to abortion services. And we know where it leads. Uh, Women will die. Women will not be able to access services in parts of the country. And and it's even been difficult in parts of California where where there aren't enough providers. So it overall hurts women and our families related to our own healthcare, uh, whether it's maternal health or 
accessing abortion. Um, we know that with lack of access and lack of choices, it drastically changes the lives of women. Now, California has been preparing to secure abortion rights in the state for some time. Can you give us an idea of what the legislature has already done? Back in the fall, when we uh, became aware of the law in Texas, as well as pending uh, law and making its way to the Supreme Court, the Mississippi case, uh, we felt like we needed to assess our foundational uh, health care structure to make sure that we were prepared for what might come, which is uh, more women coming from other parts of the, the country who couldn't access abortion in their own home states. So Planned Parenthood and a group of more than 40 other stakeholders, doctors, health advocates, um, nurses, a number of groups, uh, health advocacy groups, uh, convened in the fall to talk about how we would strengthen our ability to provide services to our own residents, as well as to those who would ultimately be traveling to California. So the Future of Abortion Council came into being. They made more than 45 recommendations to the governor and to the legislature in particular, some budget actions, some legislation. And the outcome of that was probably almost 15 pieces of legislation by members of the Women's Legislative Caucus. And of course, a number of budget asks uh, through the budget process and to the governor. So what you see now is bills working their way through both the assembly and the Senate, uh, as well as this will be discussed during our budget process uh, in May leading into June. And then, of course, you saw uh, earlier this week on Tuesday, we stated that we would be doing a constitutional amendment to make sure that the right to abortion is actually specifically called out in our California Constitution. If Roe v. Wade is overturned, are you concerned that the state's actual health care system might be overwhelmed by the number of people coming here to secure abortions? Well, that's exactly the point and purpose of the Future of Abortion Council was to look at our infrastructure and determine what was lacking. And what came out of that was the 15 pieces of legislation. So this is our goal. And of course, I have a piece of legislation, SB 1375, that would increase access by allowing trained, qualified uh, nurse practitioners to be able to perform first trimester abortions without doctor supervision. They are already able to provide the service in California with doctor supervision. So we would be following along uh, a number of other states that actually allow first trimester abortions uh, without the supervision of a doctor. At least 13 other, or nine other states allow it without doctor supervision. 13 other states have practitioners who do a broader range of primary care. And that was State Senate President Tony Atkins speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh. With COVID-19 cases rising in San Diego, the county is working to make sure a potentially life-saving COVID-19 treatment for those most at risk is getting used. Evasheld is a preventative treatment for people who are immunocompromised and can't get enough protection from COVID-19 vaccines. It's also there for people who are allergic to vaccines. Dr. Jennifer Tudor is the county's deputy chief medical officer. We need to do that dual approach where we make sure that providers are aware of it 
and we make sure that patients are aware of it. So we can really get anyone who's vulnerable in our population, we can get them that treatment. The good news is requests for treatment are up and the treatments are available. With more is KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman. Dr. Jennifer Tudor says the most recommended COVID treatment is the antiviral Paxlovid. It's prescribed by a doctor and can be picked up at local pharmacies. Like other treatments, it has to be used within the first few days after symptoms start. What we see is when we have increasing cases of COVID-19, there's increasing demand. There is no shortage of therapeutics right now. The county helps run three sites where monoclonal antibodies are given. The antibodies require an infusion and are done free of charge during a single visit. There's good news about these existing COVID treatments and new variants. Those three top treatments um, that are recommended by the NIH are thought to be effective against the BA2. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. In an unexpected move, the owner of a hotel in Old Town has canceled its contract with San Diego County. That throws the fate of a COVID-19 shelter program into question. iNewsource investigative reporter Cody Dulaney has more. As many as 34 people could be sent to a homeless shelter by the end of the month. They've been staying at the county-run hotel because underlying medical conditions make them vulnerable to COVID-19, and they don't have anywhere else to go. County officials hope to continue this program, but have struggled to find another location. Homeless advocate Amy Zamudio says that the county doesn't step up, she will. I have been renting hotel rooms and leasing hotel rooms for homeless individuals for many years. It's very easy to do. Even so, some still worry about living on the streets. For KPBS, I'm iNewsource investigative reporter Cody Dulaney. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. San Diego scientists are working on a new way to measure the strength of the smallest part of the ocean food web. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has more. Tools developed for genetic research are giving oceanographers a better glance at the diversity of the ocean's basic food web. Scripps Institution of Oceanography's Chase James calls the technique meta-barcoding. He says they take samples, filter them, then scan for DNA for microscopic plants and animals. If you ever worked in a grocery store and you're, you know, making sure that you're taking stock of your inventory, you would go around and scan all the barcodes in the grocery store, right? Um, And so that's basically what we're doing, but in the ocean. The results give researchers a more complete picture of the ocean's health. Teams have been collecting samples since 2014, which allows them to track changes over time. Findings are published in the journal Nature Communications. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. Coming up, a new KPBS series explores the complexity of the Filipino experience in San Diego. I'd like to have us break the stereotypes of the culture. Filipinos are around and they have talents in all spectrums. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break.
KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. A new KPBS documentary series called Out of the Boondocks explores the question of Asian American identity through the lens of San Diego's vibrant Filipino community. Midday Edition producer Harrison Patino spoke with the series' hosts and co-creators Rio Villa and JJ Manicus. Here's that interview. Okay, so let's start off by talking a little bit more about the name of this new show. Rio, why did you settle on the name Out of the Boondocks as a title? The root of the word boondocks actually comes from um, a Tagalog word for mountain. And we know that that's only one dialect that comes from the Philippines, but it's one of the main ones. So that's why it, it has basically been translated into English. But the two words have a totally different meaning, right? So the Tagalog word is bundok which means mountain and boondocks. It's kind of a negative word in a way. If you're from the boondocks, you're kind of seen as an outsider. So taking the duality from those two words, we came up with the title so that we're basically saying, you know, Filipinos are one of the largest Asian groups in America and we're the largest Asian group in San Diego and in California. Our presence is strong. We are here and present and are adding to the cultural um, layout of San Diego, but our representation doesn't really match that. So the word bundok means something strong and unified and boondocks means something far and unknown. And that kind of represents the Filipino American experience of those of us in San Diego. And can you talk a little bit about the show itself and some of the people you'll be talking to? Some of the people that are going to be featured on the show are ground floor murals. I'm sure so many people listening to this have seen their murals around town. They're just eye-catching and so lifelike, mostly of sports icons and animals and things that represent San Diego. And another is the Kuya. He's a tribal tattoo artist and he's helping revive Filipino tribal tattoo. Oftentimes when people think of tribal tattoos, they think of maybe like Polynesian tattooing, but the Philippines also has its own tribal tattoo traditions. And so he's one of those people who are helping those living in San Diego who might not feel that connected to their Filipino roots connect back to that history. Well, Rio, you touched on it a little bit there, but I want to ask you, do you think the Filipino experience is something that's underrepresented here in San Diego? I I do. And that's exactly why we decided to create this series. We wanted to just show that we are in all of these different places, that we are in this tattoo shop, The Good Life in downtown. We are in um, a health center that provides traditional massage by Dr. Kat. She's another interview of ours that we are in the film industry in San Diego. And you'll see that with Emma Francisco and Benito Bautista of the San Diego Filipino cinema. We're present in so many of these different places. And even within our own community, we often don't know about these people. So we're trying to show people who are non-Filipinos about where we are and what we're doing here, and also the Filipino community that might not be aware. And JJ, to that point, what do you wish more San Diegans knew about Filipino culture and the Filipino experience in general? I'd like to have us break the stereotypes of just like general people that don't know about the culture to know more about just the lumpia and the pancit at parties and, and, you know, those types of things. Filipinos are around and they have 
talents in all spectrums, you know, from being muralists and skateboarders. And they're not just, you know, some of these people could be nurses or doctors, but at the same time, they also have a side passion. And we just want to show those more well-rounded types of stories. And do you agree with that, Rio, this idea of breaking these stereotypes by talking with these artists and creatives? Yes, I love what Jay said. I'm literally over here giving thumbs up (laughs) to what he was saying, because that's exactly what we want people to get from this. And to also in the process, learn more about our history that we we throw in some historical facts as well. And for people to, to learn about our history, about our culture and our creative outlets. And that was Rio Villa and JJ Manicus speaking with producer Harrison Patino. The first episode of Out of the Boondocks can be streamed on the PBS video app. After a two-year pandemic break and a change of location, Digital Gym Cinema will reopen this weekend with the independent and internationally produced film Memoria. KPBS film critic Beth Accomando has programmed films at the venue, and she says Memoria sets the perfect tone for what this micro-cinema brings to San Diego. Memoria begins with a sound that wakes a woman named Jessica and then consumes her. It's like... A rumble from the core of the earth. Jessica, played to quiet, intense perfection by Tilda Swinton, sets off on a journey to discover what the sound means, why it obsesses her, and if other people hear it too. The film revels in long, static shots, and silence is broken by carefully orchestrated sound design. It's a film that asks you to surrender to its contemplative curiosity. This is probably 6,000 years old. A hole. Yes. Drilled into her head to release bad spirits. For programmer Moisesa Sparza, it's a film that perfectly sums up the kind of challenging and exciting filmmaking that Digital Gym Cinema wants to provide. World cinema is maybe the best definition. I want to know what the auteurs are releasing, what new voices are saying or adding to the cinematic lexicon. I'm all about just looking for cinema that I think will not only speak to cinephiles, but also to the San Diego community at large. I don't pretend to be the authority of taste on what's good cinema or bad cinema, but I do think that programmers, at least here locally, have to push to expand the public's definition of what cinema means, I mean. And I think a lot of the films that I program are really more about emotions that they invoke upon a viewer or a sensation that's only enhanced by watching it communally. Like I'm less interested in cinema where the plot device is like we get from point A to point B to point C. The fact that Memoria opens the same weekend as Marvel's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness highlights in bold detail the contrast that Digital Gym Cinema wants to offer. It's not that one type of film is better than another, but rather that filmgoers deserve diversity and choice. There is no box office battle between the Digital Gym Cinema and the Marvel cinematic universe. (laughs) We are totally operating on a different field, but I think Memoria in itself is maybe opening up the possibilities of other multiverses that exist within more independent film, I think. Definitely boundary pushing, definitely a film that's contemplative and that 
is really, you know, a gift to people who love like deciphering cinema and who love thinking about it afterwards. So push your boundaries and your definition of film by stepping into the new digital gym cinema at Park and Market and experiencing Memoria. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. San Diego music continues to rebound from the coronavirus pandemic. Local bands who put new albums and concerts on hold during the pandemic are now releasing new music and returning to local stages more frequently. One of those local bands is Surefire Soul Ensemble. They play instrumental mixes of jazz, funk, and soul. The band returned this week with a new album, and they have an album release show Saturday at the Courtyard in San Diego. Surefire Soul Ensemble piano and organ player Tim Felton recently spoke to KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. Here's that interview. Hey, the last album you made was released in the fall of 2019. Your new album, Step Down, is now being released into a a very different world. How does this album reflect these times? Well, most of it was kind of recorded during the lockdown period, and it was really therapeutic and a way for the band to to keep in touch and keep both the musical and personal relationship going. So there's a lot of emotional baggage for, for lots of us attached to that time. It was kind of like a brave new world that we entered at that point, a lot of new things happening. So, you know, just in, in some of the titles and in some of the, the emotion of the music, it's definitely a reflection of, of that period. Indeed. How do you describe the music of Surefire? I guess it's a mixture of funk and soul at its basic core. I mean, you could throw bunch of other descriptors in there like spiritual funk or afrobeat ethiopian jazz but really it comes down to african american uh, soul and funk music Hmm. and uh, you touched on this earlier but how is the making of your new album step down uh, different from others you've made in the past It, it really relates to the the pandemic and the lockdown period most of the of the songs were recorded then you know kind of like file sharing, sending files back and forth, starting with with demos from people and then eventually layering in the, the new parts and everyone recorded their own stuff in their own homes. So it was very, very much different because we usually make the albums together in the same room at the same time. You know, did the pandemic change how the songs were written and recorded? 100% because, yeah, we, we didn't feel comfortable getting together and... Um, it was all re- remotely, and then I mixed it here in my studio and, you know, just tried to give it a feeling like we were together, but, you know, we were very much separate during that time. Mm. I, I want to play another track from the album. This one has an Afrobeat rhythm to it. It's called Time to Rebuild. a little bit about how this song came to be it was an older demo that i had from a few years back Um, sometimes 
they just take a while to come together. And um, I started reworking it when some other tunes were coming together for the album. And I, you know, I sent it around to different members of the group and uh, Travis Klein wrote a great melody for it. And, you know, everyone contributed awesome parts to it. Um, Travis Klein took the flute solo as well. And, and with the title, it's kind of like, you know, this hope that we had during the pandemic that, you know, coming out of it was going to be, we're going to come out, we're going to rebuild, we're going to, it's going to be like a, a period of unity. You know, the pandemic really did a number on the local music scene in San Diego. Where would you say things are now? I mean, are they back to normal? They're headed towards that. I saw a post from the Casbah the other day that said they had sold out shows six nights in a row. So that's that's great news for, for local music in San Diego. I'm sure a lot of people are hesitant to get out and um, be indoors around people. It's one reason why we're, why we're doing our, our release show here at an outdoor venue in downtown. Mm. Have you yourself been returning to see live music again? I've just been to one show at the Tower Bar, which is which is a, a smaller uh, venue, holds about eighty people, and it was it was super weird, but it was so it was so re- rewarding uh, emotionally to see you know just see people, a bunch of friends I hadn't seen in a long time, and it's just nice to be with people again. Yeah, the album release show is at a fairly new music venue for you guys, located downtown, called the Courtyard. Why did you choose that venue for this show? Well, we we've played there a few times. We did a, a Jazz '88 fundraiser event there, and we played the Courtyard's anniversary show a few years back. I, I just really like the venue. It's it's outdoors. It's got beautiful murals inside of it. It's like in the east East Village part of downtown, um, and and we could we could throw an all ages uh, show there. So you know, people can bring their their families. I've I've got a a young daughter, hoping she can can come as well and and they'll still be able to, to sell um, beer and wine and, and food with an all-ages show and here's a clip of another track from the album the other side show will be this Saturday, May 7th at the Courtyard on Market Street in San Diego. How can people learn more about it? Ticket sales are through the Soda Bar, which is another club here in town. They're, they're presenting it. You can go to the Courtyard's website, Soda Bar's website, the Surefire Soul Ensemble website, which is sfsemusic.com as well. I've been speaking with the Surefire Soul Ensemble member, Tim Felton. Their album release show will be this Saturday, May 7th. Hey, Tim, thanks. Thank you, Jim. And one more for the weekend. Tomorrow is free comic book day in North America and around the world at participating comic book stores. Each store has different policies about how many you can receive, but according to the event information, you'll at least get one. Some of the listed participants in San Diego include Comic Kazi Comics in Claremont, Now or Never Comics in downtown, and TC's Rockets off of Warring Road. 
And that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. San Diego News Now is produced by KPBS senior radio producer Brooke Ruth and me, Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful weekend. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a blend of computer science, statistics, and domain expertise. Learn more about University of California San Diego's online Master of Data Science program at omds.ucsd.edu.